This has been sitting alongside Eric again for another North Texas RPG special. Hey, folks. And we're sitting here with special guest Zach Glazer from Lesser Known. Zach? Uh, hi. I'm at the North Texas RPG Convention with these guys. I'm, I have to say in advance that by with less, as the Lesser Known, I'm also with uh, Frog God Games as a partner. And so uh, I'm both proud of that and kind of scared. So In the background right now, we got Star Trek going on. So if you guys hear some noise... That's Fossa Star Trek going on. And they have some great sound effects going on, so when you hear phasers and teleports, you'll know why. Oh, That's yeah. the cost of recording at the con. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the whole fun of yeah, recording at the con. So tell us what you're doing here, what's going on, what do you got in the pipeline? Come on, Zach. We know you got something. Oh, well, yeah. What I'm doing here, I'm actually, and I think I couldn't escape anymore if I wanted to. It was like a Borg. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm on the con staff, and you can't see in the podcast, which is the joy of what I talk about, but I have a badge. I'm a con staff member, right? show up like Tuesdays before it starts and leave Monday afterwards by packing and unpacking and doing all the various work for your security it looks like yeah and you know I've done that job exactly zero times <laughs> uh, like how much security do you think you need at a game convention so far I've I've had to throw Eric out a couple times but that's about it no 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 we've only gone out we've gone out to smoke oh, and I've, oh, and I've oh, kept you company oh, oh I'm sorry I got confused no um, honestly uh I do small errands for Doug Ray and for Mike Bellotto. I do work at set up the midnight auction stuff, but mostly it's the set up and take down and the general like vacant. <laughs> There's wow. a Star Trek sound. Star Trek sounds. That's, yeah, I told that's you. my cue. I gotta go, boys. No. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so I've been doing this since uh, this is my third year, fourth year on staff, I think. And so I'm happy to do it. I love being here. I, this is my favorite con. And don't tell. I'm sure Alex is listening. Sorry, Alex. Yeah. Um, but uh, you, you know why it's small and it's great. They do a wonderful job. I love the hotel. I hope the next year's one's just as good. But other than that, um, I came here this year with unique news. I went to my first annual meeting as a, like, quite, uh, air quotes, professional uh, RPG guy. A, le- a lesser frog? A lesser frog. And um, then that was fun and exciting and I, most of it I can't talk about mostly because it was the language was not family friendly. No, I'm oh. kidding. No. Anyway, but then... Uh, I was also here without a booth for the first time in years, and so yeah, I just, you didn't have one this year. I noticed. I know because uh, it's part of being the, as the only person at Frog Out Games who doesn't drink. I have to open the booth. Oh. In the <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say about Frog? I'm trying to say exactly what everybody knows. Um, yeah, it's, I, it's an open secret. When, you know, when your job title is designated driver, it should tell you something. Yes. Right. No. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I haven't been selling most. I've been actually. I never realized how important the booth was in terms of sales because I always saw people who had in their backpack and I don't meet people and talk to them and I haven't done it one bit because I forgot how awkward that seemed when I used to actually have to try to you know, pimp, a, pimp a Kickstarter just by wandering around and talking to people and it's hard work to do that way and so I think I've sold two copies of Dozen Taxes and uh, it's well, that was kind of disappointing but the flip side of it is it's also free of the booth to do this for example yes. I would still be in there even though some of the booths are closed I would I'd close out the place because I just could never leave my booth because I'm thinking I might miss one chance to make people happy with my products right well I still remember you know gaming with you two years ago my first time here and we gamed at the table adjacent to your booth yeah so you could keep an eye on it yeah and that was like cool except that uh, running games would be beyond stressed and so that was like the very last time that happened. <laughs> I, because setting up and actually setting up a booth with actual physical product that is like box sets and miniatures and not just books is a, at least two or two orders of magnitude harder than setting up a regular one. So it would take away any time that I had to actually running a game takes away too much time from setting up the booth. To, do, to run a good game. Yeah. And so I have since not done that. And that's not really not my best use of my time. Even with Frog God, I won't be running probably very many games. But I'll be writing them. Actually, we have a Bargegate Kickstarter going on right now. Oh. And my very first uh, work at a, for somebody else um, as a member of Frog God is uh, the stretch goal for Bargegate Kickstarter. So if you liked what I did, uh, make sure they fund at 85000 And then you too can read, um, I believe it's going to be called For the Record, about a... Uh, Automated uh, like player piano machine that makes bards very angry, and so if you're into that kind of stuff, hmm. <laughs> if you don't like bards, you'll like this one a lot. <laughs> well, not only that, there's a lot of old school uh, Easter eggs. If you know personalities, if you know people, if you know the history of the OSR, you're gonna find the like, Easter eggs in the map, in the locations, and some of the adventure hooks. You'll enjoy it. 
No, it's going to be great. I know that uh, my favorite book of theirs, because I was before I was a Frog God member, I was their best customer, um, <laughs> I, almost. Uh, but uh, the last book they produced, the Kickstarter that I got before I got um, higher, basically, was the Sword of Air. And Bard's going to be the same way, full color, glossy pages. Um, it's really nice. I'm excited to be part of the project of it. And so there's that. And then I have the, with me, um, in my room here, I have the Death and Taxes 5e edition proof. Um, so that will be for sale probably by July 1 mm-hmm. for everybody. I'll be shipping to backers before then. And then the Pathfinder version will be done by late summer, just to be realistic because I'm now doing many other things involving gaming. So in time so for Game Hole. In time for Game Hole, you will certainly see both Pathfinder and the 5e available for sale. I won't have a booth there, but I will be there with Frog God Games. So. But will, you, will your products be available? I will, have, I will always bring products, but I won't bring as many as I brought this time because I'm not going to pimp it outside while I smoke, pardon the language. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it's been a great time. I'm looking forward. Uh, tonight is, of course, the, 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 the least family-friendly event of gaming at the Midnight Auction with Mike Bellotto. The, and, uh, uh, the orgy like and the, devil. Uh, the orgy and seafood buffet. <laughs> the uh, midnight orgy and seafood buffet. One trip only, except salad bar. Um, <laughs> there is no actual orgy, folks. And there's no actual seafood buffet. Yeah. Or salad bar. <laughs> but aside from that, that was a completely true description. <laughs> um, but I'm looking forward to that. That's in a few hours. I know Mike is already getting set up for that, and he has uh, planned his speeches for each and every item. And there's way more items than he can possibly sell, and they're all really funny. And so. <laughs> I encourage you, if you if you hadn't gone, by the time you hear this, you don't get a chance to go. You really missed it, man. That's the way it is. <laughs> so it'll go up before midnight anyway on Saturday, so before the auction, this will be up. Yeah, I... I'll go. I, I, I was blessed with a copy of the Honeymooners game from TSR, thanks to uh, Zach and Bad Mike. Because it was cast off the midnight auction and did not make the cut. This figure was good enough for Tankar, so... <laughs> I might have to break open a shrink wrap and put my underwear in there just to get it home with my carry-on luggage. How you know it's not in there already? Oh, sorry. Whoa. Whoa. Anyway, well, thank you, gentlemen. I really appreciate it. Jack, take Jack, care. thank you, man. Thank you. Always great to see you. All right, we're sitting here with now Rich LeBlanc from New Big Dragon. Yeah, if you want to go the full one, it's New Big Dragon Games Unlimited, but New Big Dragon's fine. And most people will be familiar with your D30 products that have been out recently? I'm not, maybe not, not so recently. They're not recent, but they wow. are, they're, they're consistently good sellers on RPG Now. And so many people always like are discovering them for the first time. So even yeah. though they've been out for two, three years, the DM Companion has maybe been out almost four, I think, Yeah. that people are still, like... They come looking for one thing and find the other and go, oh, there's this stuff too. And so so I think it, it surprises me that people are always still discovering them for the first time, the D30 books. They're, they're very useful, excellent quality. I, You know, I review them on the blog. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard several people say that the two books they keep with them all the time in their bags are the D30 Sandbox Companion and the Dungeon Alphabet by Mike Curtis. And yeah. that's like that's their two mm-hmm. books, their two that's go-to books. That's a huge compliment. And then a lot of people don't know. What's funny is there's plenty of people who know about the Sandbox Companion, and then they discover the DM Companion that preceded it, which is more underground, where the Sandbox is more above ground. And they're like, oh, there's this other dungeon one? Because they come looking for, like, the Adventure Generator and stuff in the D30 Sandbox Companion, and go, oh, there's this... Because it was weird. When the... DM Companion first came out, the sales were okay, but they were very, 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 very hardcore, dedicated, uh, let me call it a boutique audience, for lack of a better term, and very much like hardcore, small, we love the D30 group of OSR folks, and then the Sandbox Companion came out, and as many of us know, in the OSR sphere, if Tinker's Tavern blogs about it, everybody knows about it. That's tinkerstavern.blogspot.com. <laughs> yeah. Or you just go tankerstavern.com if you want to get there a bit quicker. And so uh, I saw sales shoot immediately overnight because it, all of a sudden, instead of being in front of my 150 followers on my blog, it's in front of your 3,500 followers and now way more than that. 
And so then what happened was the D30 DM companion, people were like, oh, there's this other thing, and they started buying it. And it, to this day, even though it was out for a year before the Sandbox companion, has sold a, a, a fraction of what the Sandbox Companion sold. Interesting. Even though it was out for much longer. Yeah, because it's a secondary thing. Okay. As we're getting posing for a picture here. <laughs> <laughs> by the other D30 guy, by who's the guy who's trying to take my terrain. Uh-oh. <laughs> who's doing a fine job, by the way. I specifically hope to make sure I'm not copying... No, that's my knowledge. Something you've done. Already. I, well, you haven't seen everything I've been doing to the side secretly. So Chris Stogdall has been doing a wonderful job of a frugal GM. Everybody knows who the frugal GM is. Of doing a lot of new D30 things, and I think they're usually available as free PDF downloads from RPG Now. And uh, what's funny is that in my absence of creating a lot of new D30 stuff, Chris has been the guy cons- consistently producing new D30 stuff. So it's lucky we've had him People walk in. People can't see you, man. I know. I didn't <laughs> yeah. come in here to try to horn in on this. Yeah, sure. No, but I'm happy to go in there. the picture so that you could... Because you like the selfies. I don't, but, you know. <laughs> hey, I was selfie-bombing everyone. Leave me alone. All right. So we brought Rich in here to talk about design. Some tips to give people for designing their own stuff. You're a successful Three Castle RPG Design Award winner from 2014. What tips can you give to some people out there? I, I will give two design tips. The first is is a the first is a um, rules design tip, and that is get somebody to look at your stuff whose judgment you trust, who will also be truthful and honest with you about what you've done and what needs improvement. Because what makes my work, because early on people were, were like, who's this David Welburn guy you're listing as this copy editor, content helper thing? And people don't realize that what Dave helps do is make everything I do a hundred times better. Because he he's a guy who likes to try to rule break. He's a guy who like you to break the rules. Like how do you, how do you fix what you know? How can people exploit this in the system? And so between and it was Dave who said the sandbox companion needs to be reorganized. It needs to be filled out here. And I follow that direction, and that's what made that book so useful. As it was before, it's just this stack of pages, and it was Dave who helped shape it into form. And he did the same thing with a lot of the stuff that we did on the psionics, VX psionics rules. Same kind of kind of outside resource that said, don't fill these five pages with five variations of this monster. Let's just replace it with one simpler monster, and that kind of stuff. So, so, so the design suggestion I would make is find somebody whose opinion you trust and listen to it. Don't be you've got to be thick-skinned. And that's yeah. something I've learned in me in the advertising design business for so long. Well, you got to do that in any in any position where you put yourself in the eye of the public, and they're going to review your work, whether you're producing product, doing a, a blog, doing a podcast. You got to be open to criticism. You got to be no, open. no criticism at all. No constructive criticism. Oh, okay. I say that. All right. And the the other is from a sort of graphic design standpoint, but this really applies to everything. And it's something that we heard I heard consistently last year at the self publishing panel. Yeah. Which was awesome. And it was that, it, a couple of have said this, and people know about this idea that it takes 10,000 hours or 10 years to get good at something. Yeah. And the reason my work is so polished from a graphic design standpoint is I've been, I've been working on the Mac since 1984 when the Mac came out. I've been consistently working 40 to 50 hours a week in graphic design since 1990. I've got 25 hardcore 26 27 hardcore years of graphic design behind right. so nice. I'm somebody who can not without thinking about it I mean somebody asked me earlier how long it took to lay out petty gods honestly to lay out the basic skeleton the framework took a couple of weeks it took months to polish it you know and it's like it's just it's time and it's hours and the more you do it the better you'll get I think Chris can probably say I'll the same thing. I helped you with Penny Gods. No, he did. He did. But the other thing is that I've seen it in the stuff Chris publishes. As, as people publish more stuff, their stuff always gets better. The more people publish, the more people write, the more people design, the better it's going to get. So if you're, if, don't get discouraged if your first thing isn't well received. If you don't think it looks that good, just keep doing it. And keep doing it. The D30 book started because I was publishing a D30 chart every Friday. 
which I wish I could still do time-wise. But And because I was consistently doing it, people said, you should make a book. I wasn't planning to do a book. I was just consistently creating D30 charts. Right, but you were, make, you were actually putting the material out there on your boss. And it was and it was some stuff that I was doing that Dave pointed out and said, this is super inventive. You need to do more of this. Like when I reformatted the way the numbers would work on a chart to create more results or back them out into five by six grids rather than right. just a 30 list of weird stuff. So the goal was to always make it more useful, but it was just do more stuff and do more stuff. 10,000 hours. I, I, I can tell that to everybody. I miss your weekly charts. Chris is doing them pretty close to every couple of weeks. I'm doing a, trying to do one a month. Well, yeah. actually, I'm doing it more frequently on, for Patreon, and I'm not trying to do a plug. I'm just saying. <laughs> I've been them out once a month for free. But Why don't you tell us Patreon how to get to the Patreon now? Yeah. Patreon.com. Well, how to get to your oh, Frugal GM. Frugal GM. There we go. Rich. Thank oh. you for stopping by. Oh, thanks. I know you got a game to prep for. Yes, I do. It's a D30 game of all things. Ah, there you go. There you go. Chris, thanks for stopping by. No, thank you for stopping by. No, thank you for stopping by this room. <laughs> and actually, we have up next, Jeff D is going to be stepping in here to talk to us a little bit about what he's got coming up this uh, convention and going forward. So, I'm, Jeff, come on right over, man. Hey, Jeff D. Now, if you don't know who Jeff D is, you might as well just turn off the podcast at this point and not listen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jeff, how you doing? Great. Sleepy, but great. And warmer now, aren't you? Slightly warmer than yeah. in the other room. Yeah. The atrium is, is chilly. So, tell us what's going on with you, man, since last year. Since last year. All right. Uh, what's going on in the last couple months? <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and all the way back to last year. So, uh, um, uh... I have two different um, game publishing companies. Uh, Unigames has come out with Bayform, which is a new RPG uh, using the Tecamel um, setting, which was the very first role-playing game setting ever published in TSR's 1975 game Empire of the Petal Throne. Right. So, uh, 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 Bethorm, which is the Tsoyani word for a pocket dimension, which uh, is significant because it's a science fantasy game about a uh, colony world in the far future that due to a disaster falls into a pocket dimension that world and its entire solar system falls into this pocket dimension the game takes place 100,000 years after the disaster where the descendants of the original colonists have reverted to barbarism but in that pocket dimension magic works so it's a it's a fantasy uh, world built on the ruins of a high tech interstellar civilization um and, it, and it's an awesome setting. I could go on for hours about that, but let's not. Uh, the latest thing that we're doing for Bethorm is a giant uh, campaign setting uh, map and guidebook. This was a Kickstarter project that finished funding um, uh, not quite a month ago, I think. And um, I don't know if you saw the big map hanging on the wall behind my booth. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. That yeah. is a work in progress. That's just the, the quick and dirty black and white printout of it so I can view the whole thing at once because I've been doing the work in, like, you know, PC screen-sized chunks. And I can zoom out, but then all the out, bro, then all the details are so small I can't tell what's going on. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the map should be uh, available in a matter of weeks. Really? We're waiting for the Tecamel Foundation, <laughs> which is the outfit that manages the the uh, Professor M. A. R. Barker's intellectual property rights on behalf of his widow. Okay. Uh, they need to review all the stuff that we do. Um, they're basically the people that played in Professor Barker's original campaign. Wow. Which is where all this stuff comes from. Actually, where Tecamel really comes from is the decades of work that Professor Barker had already put into it before there even was D&D because he was planning on writing novels, five of which eventually did get published. I didn't and even know that. Those are going back either. into print. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, nice. Check out the Tecumel Foundation on RPG Now. I think it's World of Tecumel is their, is their name on RPG Now. Isn't there a website, tecumel.org or something? Or, you know, a better point? idea is go to, go to my website, bethorm.com. It's B-E-T-H-O-R-M, and we have a page of links to everywhere you can find Does Tecumel have its own URL? I, I could have sworn there was uh, a... Yes, there's also tecumel.com. Oh, that's dot com. That's unfortunately it, not up to date. Ah, okay. So and don't go that's, there. That's what's going on on that side, and, and it's going really, really well. Um, 
On the other side, uh, uh, my high school buddy Jack Herman and I have a company called Monkey House Games. Yes. We launched it back in 2010 to re-release our superhero RPG, Villains and Vigilantes, and promptly there was some lawsuits flying around. Um, yeah. There's no point in retreading all of that. No. It's over. There has been a settlement. Uh, obstacles are now out of our way. It's all yours. We are uh, we are back. At, um, we have everything we need to continue working. We do not own the name, uh, which doesn't stop us from. Uh, I can't go into details. But, all right, it's fine. Uh, there's no obstacles in our path right now. Um, so uh, we're uh, we've re-released our first like old 1982-83 uh, Villains Vigilantes uh, supplements, Crisis Crusader Citadel and Most Wanted, which is a big book of villains. And um, we'll we will soon be announcing a Kickstarter project to fund the completion of the third edition of the Villains of Vigilantes Rules. Um, which is not going to just have a number, it's actually going to have a name. It will be it will be uh, V&V 3.0 Mighty Protectors. Mighty in, Protectors. In honor of our uh, first superhero team from our original gaming group, the Protectors. Back in nice. you, can, you can produce under Villains of Vigilantes the name exactly, but you can't... We, we don't own the name, but we are can. using the name. You can use and it. Okay. That, and that is... Uh, that's the that's fine, okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, and we've... Basically, the, the Mighty Protectors brand becomes our brand for all of our uh, world-setting material, and it will be the name of the third edition of our rules. Uh, so we're, up. we're very excited. Big things coming. It, we would be launching that Kickstarter like tomorrow if it wasn't for the fact that I'm currently busy finishing up the Baythorn uh, campaign map thing. Well, I'm going to just tell you right now, reach out to me when you release it so I can make sure I mention it on the blog. Absolutely. Are we going to do a box set like the old days or is this going to be a book or, or you can't talk I, about that? I, uh, I, I don't predict that there will be a box. Box sets are very hard to produce. I know, but I love them. I found my second edition box set after years, and I came to the con one year. It was 2012. And inside there had an insert that said, send this away, and Jeff D. will send you free artwork. And I went to Jeff, and I go, can I have my free artwork? And he's just like, uh, that's a long time ago, man. I don't even think you remembered it. You were like, wow. I don't remember ever being a part of a deal where if somebody puts something, a piece of paper in front of me, I have to draw them a picture. Right. I showed you and you were like, I don't remember this. And I'm like, ah, you owe me artwork. And he's there like, was, oh. there, um, uh, there was some deal was you had to send something in. some yeah. other artist that was doing character sketches. Oh, uh, okay. But I, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> it was just funny. He's just like, I don't remember this. I'm like, hey. <laughs> 20 years later, you owe me artwork pal that was funny well what do you got with you right here today um well i just brought in a copy of uh of the the current edition of villains vigilantes that's 2.1 that's the 2010 version basically the same as the uh the 82 revised vnv cleaned up uh you know we uh we laid out and with all new illustrations and this we're we're getting serious about our setting of course so um you know we got tired of decades of people coming up to us and asking what's the name of that guy on page 17 and what are his powers um, so all of the illustrations in VNV 2.1 have captions telling you what the hell you're looking at. Oh, and, uh, uh, that And then I brought in a, a copy of Baythorn. Oh, okay. It's a big, big, hefty, hardbound book. Oh, we have a hardbound and softbound edition. Um, Baythorn is essentially a conversion of Professor Barker's uh, post-Empire of the Petal Throne Tecumel rules. Okay. He first did a game called Swords and Glory that was going to come out through Luzaki's um, game science. I, I have the box set. Well, there were there were three books that were going to come out. Right. There was the Tecumel source book, which is um, has no rules in it. It's just all world information. And then a game master's guide, and then a player's guide. Right. Player's guide didn't come out, which is how that 
attempt at a Tecmo RPG failed. There have been there have been many. Then uh, Professor Parker, many years later, did a game called Gardazial, which I believe means Mighty Heroes in Soriani, and that was sort of a simplified version of Swords of Glory. Came out from a little company called Gar- uh, called uh, 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 Theater of the Mind Enterprises, Tintone, uh, which, as far as I know, was founded entirely to publish Tecamel stuff. They did this huge line of products. It was a boxed set. There was a bestiary book. Um, several books of like uh, solo adventures. Um, a separate character creation book and. It hit the market practically to the day that this new little card game called Magic the Gathering hit and depressed the entire market. So they went under. And um, most recently before us, uh, the um, uh, Guardians of Order, the the, uh, Tristat guys... Oh, yeah, they're gone now, long gone. Just before they went away, they published this beautiful... Uh, glossy color hardbound book uh, that was a tri-stat uh, game set in Tecamel and then they got destroyed by something about their contract with George R.R. R. Martin for Song of Ice and Fire I don't really know the details yeah. so Tecamel has kind of had this curse nobody has been able to keep a game set there in print uh, and part of my pitch to the Tecamel Foundation was how I was going to break that curse well, if anybody can do it, I mean, I know you're passionate about the setting. Totally love the setting. I mean, when uh, when I was in high school, uh, my eldest brother and I used to, uh, we lived like half an hour south of Lake Geneva, so we would go up regularly to the original uh, dungeon hobby shop. That was like, it was a converted home where the bottom floor was the dungeon hobby shop and the top floor was the TSR offices. So I'm this high school kid going in there. We bought all the new things as they came out, or first edition Traveler and, and, uh, and, uh, and AD&D when those books started to hit. And uh, then he went off to college and took all of our gaming stuff with him, except for Empire of the Petal Throne. So I cut my teeth as a GM running EPT. Uh, which has been, so it's been very meaningful to me. And, but the most exciting part about being able to do this uh, this book is in original Empire of the Petal Throne, there were maybe stats for like 50 different monsters. Right. About a dozen of them had illustrations. And we're not talking about like dragons and unicorns and trolls, things that people kind of know what they look like already. Yeah. These are weird alien creatures that have no no analogs in fantasy so all there's ever been is written descriptions of what they look like well the Tecumel Foundation has access to all of Professor Barker's archives and they went through that stuff and found his unpublished sketches of what many of those creatures look like not all of them but a lot of them so I had the opportunity to draw and publish the first official drawings of, of many of the creatures from this world and that was that was really exciting. That's got to be awesome! Wow. Yeah. So, how much is this uh, two point one edition? If someone wants uh, to go to your website, Villains Vigilantes two point one is uh, uh, sixteen ninety nine. Mm-hmm. If you go to monkeyhousegames.com dot com mm-hmm. and click the shop tab, and it'll tell you everything you know about where to find PDFs and and physical books. And uh, Baythorm, the soft cover is uh, thirty. Nine ninety-five, and the hardcover is uh, sixty-four ninety-five. If I remember these prices correctly, and for that, go to baythorn.com and click on that shop tab. Looking at two hundred fifty pages, almost probably a little bit more than that. Yeah, with the it's, maps. It's and, hefty. Yeah, it's yeah. got a huge. Look at um, that detailed. Oh, that was Alyssa. Have you seen the color version, though? No. We have a poster-sized color version, which you can also you can find the link to where you can buy that thing. But done by Alyssa Fatten. Of course it is. Of course it is. Of course it is. She kicks all kinds of ass. Worked really easy to work with. I mean, this is Tecamel, which has all kinds of picky cultural things. So we we like. Communicated back and forth, just in like uh, Facebook chat for the most point, for the most part, and uh, she adjusted her original sketches so that everything was in the right place, and then boom, all of the color on it, and it's 
It's just amazing. If you if you zoom in uh, zoom in on the big poster size map with a magnifying glass, I mean like these street scenes, you could literally blow them up and put them on the tabletop and put oh, yeah. minis on oh, them wow. and run around. I have Zach Glazer's Whisper and Venom, and I got the poster size map that she did of the setting, and it is just a beauty to look at. Her she, skills she kicks are all amazing. Kinds of ass. Um, she is a goddess among men. She's not doing the map of um, of the Kurt Hills region, which is the camp set, pam- campaign set we're working on right now, because um, the visual look of that is taken directly from something Professor Parker published before, which is a Northwest Frontier map set. Uh, so I wanted to match that. Visually, and I can do that myself. But when we do, there's more cities in that region. When we do city maps, I totally want to get Melissa uh, to do those, and we've talked about it. That is. That is. I don't know how to describe that. This is great radio because they're pointing and drawings and giving each other knowing glances. (laughs) Because I'm not sure how to even describe the creature I'm looking at. It's amazing looking. Wow. I like the layout, nice and sharp. Thank you. It's simple and straightforward. We don't go in for fancy layout. I mean, there, yeah, there's like no background to distract you. No there's the information. Uh, Very old school looking too. Well, yeah. Well, of course. That's, it's where, that's where I come from. No. It's not really an old school system, though. I mean, no, it, no. Pocket it has Universe, a feel, though. Pocket Universe is nothing like you know D and D. No. It's uh, it's skill based. The character generation is like goes in three phases. You get points to assign to your basic characteristics. Mm-hmm. Then you get to pick up to five points worth of advantages as long as you take an equal number of points worth of disadvantages. And then your intellect score determines how many points you get to spend on your starting skills. And it's a skill based system. Experience points are just more of those initial purchase points to buy new skills or upgrade the ones you've got. That's nice. And uh, if I could rant about it for a moment. Please. uh, What we are proud of about our combat system is that uh, weapons get not only a damage roll but also a two-hit modifier. And light weapons tend to get big bonuses to hit. Heavy weapons get less bonus or even a penalty to hit. And uh, in combat, you take your total chance to hit, and you can you can spend some of that, basically accept a, a penalty, in order, excuse me, in order to pull off certain kinds of maneuvers. As a result, you don't do fancy fencing maneuvers with a two-handed broadsword or a giant club. But if you have a dagger, you just go ahead and make multiple attacks and called shots and disarms and all kinds of things, right? And um, that plus the fact that heavy weapons require high physique and are more suited... Uh, high, uh, physique is our stat, which is like kind of D&D strength and constitution in one. Okay. Um, uh, uh, you you kind of want to w- carry a heavy weapon if you're strong because um, uh, your your own strength will do a certain amount of damage if you just punch people. Right. And uh, really light weapons are like less than worthless because you can do more with your bare hand. Uh, then armor has... A, uh, a deftness cap, and deftness is our dexterity agility stat. So if you wear heavy armor, it'll drag your uh, your deftness down, and deftness forms the basis of your chance to hit. So automatically, if you make a guy with high deftness but low strength, you've got a guy who wants to carry a light weapon and has an especially high chance to hit, and he's a finesse fighter. Doesn't do a lot of damage, but can pull off a lot of maneuvers. Standing next to him can be this really strong guy who's not as agile, so he doesn't mind wearing the heavy armor, and he wants to carry a heavy weapon, and he doesn't, he's not a finesse fighter, and in fact, he might go whoosh, whoosh, kill, Right when that's how he fights, whereas the fencer is going triple attack, uh, stab him around his armor, um, stab him in his eye socket, uh, disarm him. Right, you can literally stand these guys next to each other in a corridor and fight the same monsters, and they'll both do as well, just fighting differently. That's a great way to do balance. It well, it, it avoids um, since we don't have character classes, right? D and D solved this problem by layering um, uh, uh, what do you call uh, feats 
on top of character classes so you could customize your guide to fight different ways. In our system, it just emerges naturally from the way that our system works. We're proud of that. I, I think I know what I'm going to be ordering when I get home because I can't fit anything more into my luggage. <laughs> I think I capped you off with that one book, huh? Yeah. Well, this is great. Cool. Thank you for stopping by, Jeff. You're welcome, guys. Thanks for asking me. I'm, I'm glad I was... It's, I'm very tired. I'm glad I was coherent enough. <laughs> At least I... Uh, let me put that in for I hope I was coherent enough, because if I wasn't, I don't think I would know. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Jeff. Bye, everybody. Yep. Now I'm sitting down with Mike Stewart and Elizabeth Stewart of the Save or Die podcast. The trio is back. Woo-hoo! Remember the good old days when we were all podcasting together? And I mostly just sat around and said, bah. You still do that. But and I say other things. That's Between true. Between the bahs. And you said taco. Yeah, taco. And Liz sat there like this. And Vince would say, hi, I'm Liz. Hi, I'm Liz. Hello. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> so you guys are here at your own table with Mike's Victorious as we see some shirts, a bag, an adventure here. Yeah. Tote bags. That is a print version of the Gagman podcasts adventure they made for Victorious a year ago? year and a half? Uh, about a year and a half ago yeah. at this point, I think. Yeah. Tell us what's going on with Victorious, Mike. Well, I have... I am 3,000 words away from finishing the fifth book. The fifth book? Um, Victorious itself is being printed in China as we speak. Then it's going to be sent back and put in general distribution after the Kickstarters are resolved. The other five books, let's see, Phantasmagoria is in final layout, so it'll go next. Hunter and Hunter has just gotten out of editing, that's the gear catalog. And so it'll go into layout. Manifest Destiny is in editing, and I'm just now 3,000 words finishing up with Rule Britannia. And that should finish everything up. <laughs> So that's a lot of supplements to go with the main rule book. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Plus the module that's going to be available at Gen Con that was not part of the Kickstarter that we are playtesting this weekend. So uh, you're all going to Gen Con this year? Uh, no. No. We but will mine, not be there. Oh. But mine and Chase Layton's module will be there. I was going to say, you haven't been to Gen Con since, what, 90... Never been to Gen Con. I you said you went one year. I went to uh, Origins 84 when it was here in, in Denton, actually. Origins was here in Denton? Wow. Yeah, back in the 80s, it used to rotate around the country. Yeah, and when it was in Denton, it was at the University of North Texas campus. That was back when I was living in East Texas, and we just drove up for it. Wow. But no, I've never been to a Gen Con, ever. Wow. There's so many people there now, you don't want to be there. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard that. It's like 60,000. Lord, it's so many people now. that, That hurts just thinking about. When I went in 2011 and 10, it was... 30-something thousand. Now it's up to, like, close to, what, 50 or 60? Ugh. It's just unbelievable. I mean, I know some people love huge cons, and that's great. That's but, too big. But, yeah, that's out. The, the little introvert in me just goes, yeah. <laughs> It goes, Oh, no, I can't do that. I'm Liz. I'm Liz. <laughs> so, uh, where can we get this Victorious ad- uh, Adventure right now? Um... That one? Yes, the one right here. Sorry. Well, it is available on DriveThruRPG as a PDF um, for like a couple of bucks. Uh, Actually, I believe um, Gagman has it for pay what you want. Okay, pay for what you want. You do not have to actually pay money for it, although I'm sure they would appreciate it if you did throw a dollar or two their way. Literally throw them a dollar? Yeah, just just throw it at them. And hope it reaches them? Fling it, yes. This Um, is a limited print run for North Texas. That we have right here. Yeah. Um, there's, we only printed 25 of these for the North Texas Con, and it's got the Con logo on it. Um, so, yes, you can get a PDF version for nothing at drive-thru, but if you wanted the limited edition, we made 25, and And it comes with a cut-out mustache and monocle so that you can wear during play. That's fitted to <laughs> Mike's face only, so... <laughs> That would have been a neat trick. But, yeah, right? You know. <laughs> As I'm sitting here staring at Mike wearing X-Men Cyclops glasses on right now. Given to me by the guy who wrote the module, so, yeah. 
Yeah, the other glasses you had them before with the what was it, the squiggly eye thing you yeah, had? Kind going? of the swirly, kind of that X-ray specs. Yeah, that, that was creepy. For those of you from the '70s and '80s comic book fans in the back, X-ray specs. Yeah, it looks like that. It's awesome. It's disturbing. So uh, it is me. awesomely disturbing. Okay. Okay. So tell me, you guys, what's going on with Save or Die? Well, it's a podcast. <laughs> really? I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. remember that. You may that. have heard of it. I yeah. was not aware of that. Wasn't I one of the... Oh, never mind. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Or your evil twin or something. Oh, wait. You are the evil twin. So. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I am the evil DM. That is correct. Uh, we went on a bit of hiatus because between my writing of the books and Jim's work on Mutant Call Classics, we were kind of in a hole for a month and a half. But we're back. We're doing episodes again. Uh, we just had uh, Chris Holmes on the last episode, 122. That is the son of J. Eric Holmes. Yeah. And had a good t- interview with him. Good, and good. And we're, once the con's over and we have our standard North Texas RPG wrap-up episode, we'll be back on a semi-regular basis. <laughs> good to know. Liz, what do you got to say? You got a big smile on your face right now. Yeah. And again, you always have a smile. I've just been enjoying myself this weekend. Um... It was really great. Speaking of Chris Holmes, there was a Holmes Q&A panel this morning at the convention. Uh, Mike and I are both wearing our t-shirts that has the Holmes cover art on it in honor of the talk. Best the inspiration ever. The inspiration for my game, Mazes and Barrels, Holmes edition. Yes, the best edition. <laughs> Even if he does make it for AD&D. That's okay. <laughs> Silver seller. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the brag, so continue. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, it's just been a great convention as always. We always have a good time. This time we slowed down a little bit. We only signed up for one game a day instead oh. of two like we did last year. You guys were running around like crazy. Oh, God, it was awful last year. We didn't get to talk to anybody. It was all just, hey, talk to you later. Every time I tried to talk to oh, we got to go to a game by room across the yeah. room. I was like, damn. And that was everyone, you know. Yeah. We, we shook hands with John Peterson in the hall and said, we want you to sign our copy of Playing at the World, but never saw him again. <laughs> So, so we weren't going to do that this year. So we've been hanging out at our table and playing games and just relaxing this time around, more or less. And refusing invitations to games because <laughs> we're going, no, just one. So what's the overall reception of Victorious, this convention? People looking forward to it? People are just like, what's going on? Tell me yeah. what's going on. People uh, seem interested. Uh, Mike ran a game yesterday evening. Um, everyone had a good time there. Um, our usual DM, Chase, for our game in Denton, he is running Victorious tonight. And we've been poking our heads in every so often to look in. And it looks like everyone's having a good time at that table as well. So. I think there's a. I think things are starting to snowball a little bit. Both game sessions filled up fairly quickly when the con registration opened, which was very gratifying. Mm. Yeah. So who's the guy that was dressed up? Looked like Victorious Man or something like that the, the other day. Lieutenant Victory. Oh, okay. I was like, who the heck is that guy? Uh, <laughs> that's Corbett Kirkley, the guy who wrote that module. Oh, uh, okay. And. Uh, in fact, Lieutenant Victory is going to be in the British supplement. I wrote up his his uh, cosplay character as one of the Superman kind. Sweet. So everything should be available for people to purchase all the books and everything soon? Or? Oh, yeah. By Gen Con. By of Gen course, Con. So August well, yeah. area. Of course, Troll Lord Games is going to fulfill all the Kickstarters first. But then, yeah, it'll be for general, general purchase <laughs> by Gen Con. Okay, cool. Knock on wood. I don't think this is wood, but okay. <laughs> Close enough, Mike. No. If we well. just believe. <laughs> believe. Imagination. Yep. Well, it's been fun sitting with you guys and catching up. Yeah. Miss podcasting with you guys, especially Lizzie. Aw, thank you. We all love Liz. Yeah. We don't like Mike. <laughs> well, who does, really? Nah, bah, I, I like bah. Mike. I like him. Well, that's because, yeah. And that's all that matters. Married. Yeah. <laughs> all that matters. 
<laughs> and we even dress the same. Isn't it so cute? We're adorable. Hi. We're both wearing the same shirt. <laughs> yeah, okay. Creepy and creepy and creepy. No, it's a convention, so it's not creepy. You're fine. I'm going to bolt, find some people to tackle, to talk to them. Okay. Awesome. In fact, the person who's coming right this way right now with a big grin on his face, Mr. Wampler. Dun, dun, dun. Who I know has things coming out on the pipeline that may want to talk on this podcast. Sure. Yeah, he does. I knew it. I knew it. So, Mr. Wampler. And it's not off topic. Tell me, what's going on lately with you, sir? Uh, I'm getting asked about 20 times a day, when is the Mutant Crawl Classics Kickstarter going to be? And hey, Jim. Ah, uh, Mike, shut up. <laughs> so I am happy to give uh, you this exclusive. When, when does this come out? Uh, so I'm going to put this out tonight. Okay, so for all the listeners out there to this podcast, it's coming soon. That's all I'm allowed to say. But soon is, but soon is for real soon, not like pretend soon. It's an exclusive soon. Oh. Yes. <laughs> and we're joined by DM Glenn as well, who's, who's looking on with a really weird face. Ah, shut up. Yeah, uh, mug. Yeah. Wow, this is old homie. Oh, more or less. Go ahead, continue, hey. continue. Actually, I think this is going to be RFI, but... Yeah, this is RFI. Continue, Jim. <laughs> but there's a... Uh, we have a Kickstarter or anything? Kickstart, yeah, Kickstarter's coming soon, but just on uh, June uh, 18th, free RPG day. Okay. Uh, one of the print products Goodman Games is laying out as an adventure that's... Uh, Two adventures in one. It's the DCC Lankmar adventure and the first Mutant Crawl Classics adventure with enough rules in the back to run the adventure. How much will that be? Will it's free. To... Oh, it's free. Yeah, you go go to go to the uh, free RPG Day uh, <laughs> com website. Go to the store locator page, and you can find the store closest to you. Oh crap! You might go download that right now, folks. Come on, go go. You want to go now? What else we got? Going and that's here? that's a print product, and uh, you know soon after soon. that. <laughs> Soon. There'll be a Kickstarter. Okay. Keep us updated on that so we can put some information up for you. Happy to. Appreciate it, sir. Thanks, Vince. Thank you. And Oh, and look at that. DM Glenn is stepping right in. Yes, that's right, for a few minutes. I'm on a what break from the champ. How you doing, Vince? Yeah, I'm doing great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. Glenn, who ran the Gangbusters game for me on Friday, which we we had to stop in the middle because everybody left. Yeah, then turned into a kind of a bull session. So yeah, I was I actually was looking forward to that game. We finally got to play, and then boom, you were gone. Well, I'm thinking of run, rerunning it tomorrow, oh, uh, which oh, is I'll be gone. well, so or something else. I don't know. I got tunnels and trolls and stuff like that, and who knows? I brought some basic D and D. Oh my goodness, who knows? Anyway, um, yeah, the Gangbusters thing. Uh, my good friend Mark Hunt, who's like the one man Gangbusters revival. Yeah, he's got yeah. he's got a lot of like supplements and things that he's written on uh, drive through drive through and RPG now, and he's got a starter box on there, and he's also getting ready to release a uh, another edition with Rick Krebs' blessing. Right. And uh, since the second printing was called third edition for some reason. I have seen you from a distance. That's, Hi. Oh, Hi. well, let me stop seeing you. How are you guys doing? We have Janelle. I'm doing a podcast right now live, so you just stepped right into our podcast. Oh, Welcome. No. It's okay. I didn't realize we were in the middle. You were doing something. Beautiful <laughs> for chat. Oh, no, I'm going to leave. Aww. We want to hear from you, though. What do you want to hear? What have you been up to? Do Come right this way. Come over oh, here. Okay. Step right this way. Can you do a number? Five. Okay. <laughs> I did five. Okay. Tell us what you've been doing. Uh, let's see. Well, at the show, it's been ran a couple games, um, Swords and Wizardry games, because uh, it's basically OD and D. Yeah. Right. Um, artist panel. That's what my excitement here um, trying to keep my company old school going right Dragon Girl Studio yes trying to get that going uh, trying to um, basically make some money doing this again yeah money is good money is good <laughs> considering this is my day job so having a good time at the show anything coming out soon from you or anything we can look um, forward to or 
we're we're kind of getting close to being done with what's called the remastered version of uh, Bart's Tale. Oh, which we did as a premium for in exile in exile games. Um, Bard's Tale 4 Kickstarter, and one of the things you got if you backed it like to a $25 level, you got all of the original Bard's Tale games as a premium. So we took on the job of making them work on um, Windows. We made them native to Windows. Oh, wow. And we did a lot of upgrades to the games, um, some upgraded graphics, some updated. Um, artwork, things like that. Basically all the games are now merged into one game so you can store your party off in um, the, the, the Adventurer's Tavern and then move it into one of the other games. Oh wow! So lots of fun code things that way. <laughs> graphics are still pretty much the graphics. <laughs> awesome. So we got that coming out. Great! Yeah. And I've been doing miniatures concepts that I can't talk about. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. No worries. The lines haven't been announced yet. Yeah, no, we're just admiring the oh, no worries. Thank you very much, though. Well, you're welcome. Thank you stop right. Well, it looks like we're going to have to wrap it up tonight. It's getting late here. It's almost close to uh, 10, 11 o'clock here. North Texas. Uh, we interviewed a few people here for you to say hello to. Eric is looks like he's ready to go to bed. I can't go to bed. I got right, the, the midnight uh, auction. The midnight auction. Yeah, the orgy and seafood buffet. Which there's no the, orgy and there's no buffet. Stop it. But I have an invite that says it. I don't care what the invite. But then says. there's a disclaimer that says that none of this is true. That's exactly the, auction. the fact. Yes. But in any case. So you're leaving on Monday to go back to the great state of New York. Nueva York, yes. Nueva York, yes. <laughs> My es uh, uh, español. Yes. So what's the first thing you're gonna do when you get home? Unpack everything you got here. Uh, I hope so, because last year it took me two months to unpack everything I got here. There are things that I do want to pick up. I want to pick up uh, Jeff D's releases. And up that V and V book. Yes, but uh, I have so much stuff to take back, including a, a Dallas, not a Dallas, uh, oh, the year, the Honeymooners board game. I totally forgot about the Honeymooners board game. That's like the Dallas game. I didn't know. I forgot about too. Yes. Yeah, so since that was a wonderful free gift that was waiting for me in the room at the tavern sponsor, thanks to uh, the readers of the tavern. Uh, I really should take it home, but I have to pop the shrink and put other stuff in the box. Oh, so nothing's getting home. No. You only got that little quarter of inch of space to shove everything into to get on that plane. Pretty much. Well, you could swap. Oh. Uh, I don't know where that was going, so I'm not even going to try. <laughs> All right, so we're just going to have to say goodnight, everybody, and take care. And thank you for listening to our specials this weekend. Thanks, folks. Awesome time.